Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An emotional beginning to the 2018 season. The festivity of opening day itself was tempered by the weather. Everyone's happiness tempered by the news of the passing of the great Rusty Staub. Those emotions will be plumbed and explored. Game one will be recapped. Game two will be previewed. This is the DMP, the Daily Mets podcast, and we have cool theme music to prove it. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Mets are doing. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's your Daily Mets podcast. Thank you, Clyde Lawrence. Well, it wasn't quite the way the Marlins began their season. Down 1-0, one pitch in. An homage to a tremendous family guy cut away from 2009. But the Mets actually trailed the home opener Thursday afternoon, thanks to old nemesis Yadier Molina, that guy. But before too long, everything resolved, and the Mets rolled to a 9-4 win over the St. Louis Cardinals. Only once in the last 23 years had the Mets opened with as many as nine runs in a game. They did that Thursday without a home run. Only two doubles, nine walks and a hit batsman and a whole bunch of singles helped make the Mets 1-0. It's the 22nd time in their last 25 tries that they've opened at home and won the game. Last year, they won 6-0 with a six-run seventh. That's what carried that day. It was a five-run fifth on Thursday, or should we call it Thorsday? Because it, it kind of was. Noah Syndergaard channeled his inner Pedro. Pedro Martinez, the only Met starter before that game on Thursday to have double-digit strikeouts in the opener. Noah punching out 10 Cardinals in six innings, five in a row at one point, and he walked no one. He had sent out a, a foreshadowing kind of tweet 14 hours before the actual first pitch. It was a gif of lightning crackling across the sky, the precursor, of course, to thunder. Yeah, Noah provided that for sure. Mickey Calloway, how about you, kiddo? First game managed since being in charge of Texas A&M Commerce nine years ago. Mickey has emerged as the early favorite for National League Manager of the Year because both times Ahmed Rosario, batting ninth instead of eighth, reached base. Mr. Cespedes drove him in. Mickey met the media after the win, and here's a few minutes of that press conference for you to inhale. Mickey, I know it's just one game, but what is the level of importance you place on having pretty much everybody up and down the lineup contribute right off the bat like this? You know, I think that's big. Um, Obviously, you want to get all the firsts out of the way and getting on base, getting the hit, the good walk. I mean, we did did kind of all of that today. So uh, I'm sure the guys are going to go home happy tonight and enjoy the off day and be ready to go the next day. What would you see out of Noah today, 10 Ks through six? Yeah, he, he looked really good. You know, I, I thought uh, I thought it was a pretty good pitch to uh, Molina. He kind of pulled his hands in, let let Noah supply the power. But he, he was tremendous. You know, he uh, 
that uh, Martinez kid kind of had his number, but other than that, man, he, he looked really good. He was nice and relaxed. You know, he wasn't overthrowing at all and just made pitches. Good breaking ball right there at the end, too. He started mixing his curveball in. Really good job. Tony? I know the lineup is going to change and be fluid, but just how much work or thought process went into that first one? I mean, were you, like, scratching it out on pieces of paper. How far back have you been thinking about this? Just that's the whole sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it took uh, all of spring training to try and figure that one out. Uh, I don't have that much time on the next one. Um, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure that guys were in a good position um, to succeed. And we wanted to just make sure that we had thought everything out when we set that lineup. And, and we'll try and do that every single time. Ken. Mickey uh, over here. Uh, lifting no after 85 pitches, is there any temptation to let him go another inning there, or what, what's uh, no? I felt like process? he had done his job, um, you know, and uh, we wanted to get some of our relievers in the game, um, so you know, I, there was no second thought there at all. Well, that's Mickey Callaway, and we'll have a lot more from Mickey as the season goes on. Believe it. But the the passing of the great Rusty Staub, we mentioned, cast a pall over the afternoon despite the five-run win. The Mets, by the way, won by four in Rusty's first Mets opening day back in 1972. When Rusty was traded to the Mets, remember it was right around the time that Gil Hodges suddenly died on that golf course down in Florida. In fact, the trade was already in the works that very morning when Rusty Staub, as the story goes, ran into Gil Hodges and a bunch of his coaches at St. Anne's Church in West Palm Beach. Rusty wondered why they were all being so friendly to him, and it turns out it's because those coaches all knew they were about to trade for him. Eight hours later, incredibly, Gil Hodges had passed away, a heart attack as he walked off the 18th green. As for Rusty, obviously not only a Mets hero, he was he was really the first true Montreal Expos fan favorite, too, picking up the nickname Le Grand Orange, it was a local columnist, Ted Blackman, who bestowed that nickname, and he admits that it really should have been La Grand Orange, the feminine form of the noun. But as that columnist said at the time, I'm not going to be the one to tell Rusty he should be referred to in the feminine form. Rusty was adored in Montreal for taking the time to learn French and for becoming a part of that community. And of course, he would dive right in in New York as well, his humanitarian efforts being lauded by local fire and police departments, among many other worthy organizations. Rusty passed away, by the way, in a hospital called Good Samaritan down in Florida. And how fitting that is. There was no better Samaritan, no better emblem of all that's ever been right with the New York Mets than Rusty Staub. He passed just two days before what would have been his 74th birthday, and he's missed very much already. Mets broadcast legend Tim McCarver was on hand for opening day working for the Cardinals, a one-time on-air partner of Rusty's, and he weighed in. His nickname was Le Grand Orange, and he was Le Grand in so many ways. As a baseball player, 500 hits with four different teams. Uh, as a human being, he raised $17 million uh, for the for the people in New York, uh, the first responders. Uh, I mean, what, what else can you say? Uh, very, very sorry to see him go. Very sorry. I also caught up with Keith Hernandez, who was essentially a, a surrogate little brother to Rusty when Keith first got traded to New York. Keith, understandably, was very emotional meeting the media three hours before the game, but I caught up with him 
after he'd collected himself a little bit. And, and here's some of that conversation. So for, for people, uh, Max, that never met him, uh, what, what would you say about who Rusty was? I just think he's one of those guys that you didn't have to meet. I think you uh, would know about him. We were talking earlier, all of us guys in here, how what his post-baseball career life really transcended his, his great career on the field. All of his work here in New York, he didn't turn his back on New York. He was a, a charitable guy. His work with uh, the widows and orphans of firefighters and, and, and police officers and first responders, uh, as well as providing meals, millions of meals for people that are in need in New York. Uh, he just he, he just embraced this city. He was a part of New York, and he's a very special guy. He was a man of faith. He was a very dear friend, and he'll be very dearly missed. He, he embraced you, I know for sure, right? I mean, you probably wouldn't have lived in the city to start out if it wasn't for, for Rusty. Well, I didn't know what to do. I had just gotten uh, separated from my first marriage, uh, beginning in the 84th season, and when I came to spring training, my first spring training in New York uh, as a Met, uh, Rusty and I were kind of shagging together, and I told him that uh, you know that I was separated. And he goes, "You're, you're single," and I go, "Yeah." And he goes, well, "You got to live in a city." So I didn't know where to live, and he just basically said, "Well, you got to live on the east side. You got to live from Midtown up to get easy access to Shea Stadium." Uh, and uh, he, the one that got me to move there, and then he took me under his wing and took me out to all the great restaurants, all the places, and uh, of course his restaurant on Seventy Third and Third. Uh, and just really opened up the city for me. Uh, Rusty would have enjoyed the hell out of this particular opening day. A 9-4 New York Mets win. I've got some notes from my notepad here. First of all, great crowd. 44,189. Third largest regular season crowd in city field history. Mets pitching struck out 15 batters. That's the second most for an opener. The, the 05 Mets had 16. And the Mets drew nine walks on this day, tied for the most they've ever done in an opener. The 69 Mets had nine walks against Montreal, that 11-10 game. Mickey Calloway winning his managerial debut, the first Mets manager to get a win in his first game when large and in charge in New York since Jeff Torborg did it in 1992. Go to Noah Syndergaard for just a little bit here, the first Met to get 10 strikeouts and not walk a batter on opening day. Just the ninth pitcher since 1908 to get that done. Carlos Martinez was one of them just last year. Of course, C-Mart did not have a great day opposing Noah Syndergaard on opening day of 18. Madison Bumgarner did it last year, too. Then you got to go back to Jared Weaver in 2012. Mike Messina in 98. J.R. Richard did it in 1980. Bob Gibson did it twice, but not in 1968, the year that he's most known for. The 1.12 ERA. This is the 50th anniversary of that season. Gibson did it in 67 and 69. The guy that did it in 68 was Chris Short. Before that, you had to go back to Walter Johnson, the big train, in 1916. Yoana Cespedes, hey, three runs batted in. His first three runs batted in on opening day ever. He had never had one. Brandon Nimmo scored the first run of the season. And, of course, he was sprinting to first base on things like a hit-by-pitch and a walk. He's, he's like a little golden retriever puppy, is Brandon Nimmo. And he begins the year with an on-base percentage of 800. Same for Kevin Pluecki, who was 2-for-2 two two with a couple of walks on this day. And the, the playing possum award goes to Adrian Gonzalez. Everybody just kind of wrote him off in spring training because nothing was happening for him at all for a while. 
but now here's the, the bright lights of opening day, and he got on base four times in this game. If you're concerned about Gonzalez and cold weather, I looked at his numbers when he first got to the Red Sox in 2011, and he hit 314 in April, then 361 in May. So I guess we can relax a, a little bit about all that. Nine runs, 12 hits, no errors. The Mets left 11. It was four, six, and one for the Cardinals. They left three on base. Did anybody else notice that, that Brian Chicklow, the new Mets head trainer, got a rousing ovation? Poor Ray Ramirez. It's like Ray goes away, Chicklow gets promoted to Ray's old job, and just because he's not Ray, he got he got cheered in that game. But anyway, we uh, we heard from Mickey Calloway. We've heard from some of the people that uh, that you're, you're going to want to hear for. Now it's time for this. What's that in the road? A head? Hold it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold hold a second. No, dear, no. What's that in the road ahead? <laughs> Not what's that in the road ahead. <laughs> It's an off day today, but Saturday, it's going to be Jacob deGrom against Michael Waka. That is a 110 start. The first 15,000 fans get the Build-A-Bear teddy bear, courtesy of Northwell Health. Jake, remember, fought through some spring training lower back stiffness, and then once he finally took the mound, he was nothing short of brilliant. And last year, as the rest of the pitching rotation just lay in shambles all around him, deGrom was the one pillar who failed to go to the ground. Mid-June to mid-July last year, he was 7-0 while every other Mets pitcher in that time was 7-18. and 18. He ended up second to Max Scherzer for the National League strikeout lead, and since we just lionized Noah Syndergaard for his 10-strikeout game opening day, well, uh, last year DeGrom had 11 double-digit strikeout games, the most double-digit strikeout games he's had in a single season, most by a Met in one season since Doc had 11 in 1985. As for Michael Waka, he is more likely to get a ground out than a strikeout, but when he faced the Mets last July at City Field, he authored his only career complete game to date, a nifty little three-hit shutout. So that's your Saturday matchup. Sunday, another DeLand Florida native will step on the City Field mound, not DeGrom, but the Cardinals' Luke Weaver, against the Long Island lefty Stephen Matz. Have you had enough now? Have we wet your whistle? Tune in tomorrow for what will be episode three of the DMP. Every day between now and the end of the season, we will drop this bad boy at 5 a.m. Eastern sharp so you can have it to listen to at your convenience. Spread the word for us if you would. For now, the way to, to get this podcast, you go to iHeart.com, go to the website iHeart.com and type Daily Mets Podcast into the search bar. That's the easiest way to find us till iTunes adds us to the playlist sometime in the next week or so, I'm told. Thank you for your patronage. Jeez, I, I sounded like the Carvel guy right there. Enjoy your cookie puss, too, and your fudgy the whale. And, and do tell your friends if you would. We're excited to run this out here for you. This is Josh Lewin, and this has been the Daily Mets Podcast. Peace out, home skillet. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.